Have you ever noticed that angels often appear in the Christmas story? Gabriel appeared to Mary and told her to fear not. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. And the shepherds were taken by surprise that night. The Lord's angel appeared to them in the field. Surrounded by the glory of the Lord, they too were filled with fear. Join us today as we talk about Christmas and the angels with my guest, Reverend Ron Rawl of Timothy Lutheran Church in St. Louis, Missouri. This is Kay Meyer, host of Family Shield. Thanks, uh, Reverend Rawl, for joining me today and being a part of our Family Shield program. It's a pleasure to be on. Thank you. Uh, I picked the topic of Christmas and the angels because, uh, well, first of all, because it's Christmas, but secondly, because I've interviewed you several times on the topic of angels, and I find it fascinating. I know we won't have time to deal with all of the issues related to angels because we want to focus on Christ and Christmas, but uh, just tell us, uh, just talk a little bit as we begin about why the angels are so much a part of the Christmas story and what impact that has for us. Well, you know, I think it's, there, there are just so many misconceptions about angels uh, that people hold, and um, they're kind of popular things, you know, like the idea that when people die, they become angels. Mm-hmm. And, um, the reality is that God created angels. They were a part of the invisible creation. And um, he created angels at the same time he created the rest of the world. But they are special beings that um, have significant power, and and they serve God. Uh, those who did not fall away from uh, God when um, Satan or Lucifer led that um, rebellion against God. So the good angels, the ones who, who serve God, they they live to do his will. They are called messengers. In fact, that's what the word angel actually means. So it's not surprising that when God um, sends or when God gets ready to deliver some very important message to the world, that angels would be involved. And so the Christmas story is is literally um, full of the angels because they are uh, bearing that good news um, to people and delivering special messages to people who are an intimate part of that story. Great. Now, there are different types of angels, and we hear of the angel Gabriel, who was sent to the city of Galilee and Nazareth to a virgin who was engaged to Joseph. Um, Before we talk about that part of the story, Gabriel is an archangel? He's usually referred to as an archangel, yes. Okay. And are there other archangels that we know of, and what what are the difference between well, archangels? Well, the two and... prominent ones that are mentioned in the Bible, Gabriel and Michael. Michael, okay. And um, Michael appears to have a different kind of um, area of significance than Gabriel does. Gabriel always appears as a messenger. He's the one who bears... Uh, the message to earth. Mm. He uh, delivers important messages. And Michael, uh, he is more of a a warrior angel. So uh, we find him involved in defending God's people. And in the book of Daniel, we find him quite a bit. Okay. Okay. So let's talk for a minute about uh, the the story of uh, Mary 
when the angel came to her um, to in Luke 1. Just to share a little bit about that part of the Christmas story. All right. The, um, of course, we know that for, for our Christmas story, we have to rely on Matthew and Luke. Right. They are the only uh, evangelists who tell us anything about the birth of the Savior. Uh, John and Mark do not. Luke has really the most complete um, uh, stories about the uh, about the, the nativity of Christ, and um, the first appearance of Gabriel in what we would call the the Christmas story is when uh, the Gab- Gabriel comes to speak to uh, Zechariah. Mm. Zechariah was the priest who was uh, fulfilling his time of duty in Jerusalem at the, at the temple, and he was chosen by Lot to be the one who would uh, take the prayers, uh, the collected prayers of the people, up into the temple with the incense. And as as uh, Zechariah is praying before the altar of incense and lifting up the prayers and uh, of the prayers of God's people, all of a sudden the angel. Uh, is standing there next to him. And um, I can be sure that um, Zechariah was, um, you know, I, I, would, I would assume that he was very frightened. Mm-hmm. It seems and, to be uh, a common thread. They were fearful. They were fearful. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Luke says he, he was troubled okay. when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. And I think that um, probably helps us to understand that the angels are not anything like, you know, the way they're often depicted mm-hmm. in uh, popular um, drawings. You know, they're more like cherubs. But the angels were, were powerful beings, and they can become visible when they want to become visible or when God wants them to be visible. But for the most part, they're not. Uh, in this case, this angel became visible to Zachariah, and his first reaction was that of fear mm-hmm. and trembling. And then... The angel delivers the message to him. And when Zechariah makes the point, you know, uh, how can I know this? You know, I'm an old man. He has a hard time believing it. Then the angel says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. Mm-hmm. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. So here we see that uh, Gabriel comes uh, because God sent him. Mm-hmm. He's on admission. And he brings good news. And that's, uh, you know, the first appearance of the angel in the Christmas story. Well, it reaches back a little bit before the Christmas mm-hmm, story, but mm-hmm. it sort of sets a story up, you know, because sure. he's he's involved at various stages there in the story, um, appearing to, um, to Zechariah and then to Mary. Mm-hmm. And he there's an angel that also appears to Joseph. I don't believe that in that case he is identified as Gabriel but more than likely it was Gabriel. Yeah, I, I looked that up, and I didn't see a name for that one either. So um, but let me just, you mentioned some of the false teachings about angels. Let me just mention, you, you kind of touched on this already, but just to be very clear, we as people don't call, send, or talk to our angels. The angels are sent by God. 
not right. us. Yeah. And there is another, you know, there's a lot of false teachings about angels out there, and they're dangerous because there are evil angels, and uh, they can disguise themselves maybe as as good angels, and then you well, think you're fact, talking to one, and you might, you know, be delving into something very serious. Exactly, uh, and in fact, the Bible says that they do masquerade. It does. Um, okay. So Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Oh, sure. So, um, so we they, need to be careful. They're not going to appear to us, you know, as they really are, those evil angels. Mm-hmm. They could come in any form, and, uh, of course, people can easily be deceived, um, as they are all the time. Mm-hmm. But in this case, um, people are very much attracted to anything unusual or um, anything that might present power to them, and so they can easily be sucked into believing things that um, a so-called angel might tell them. Right, yes. Now, uh, in a little later in Luke, let me just read what I have here. The angel Gabriel was sent to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph. And the angel said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was troubled. The angel said to her, Fear not, and behold, you will conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And, of course, her response was, How can that be? I am a virgin. And the Bible says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So again, we have another example of the angel coming and bearing good news to Mary. Her reaction, fear and bewilderment. Of course, she was engaged, but not married, and she was a virgin. You want to make some comments about that? Well, you can imagine what a difficult uh, thing this must have been for Mary to believe. Um, I'm, I'm sure that angels speaking to people were, if not highly unusual, almost, um, you know, they just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the Old Testament, we have uh, the angels uh, addressing people more frequently, but there must have been a long interval uh, just like that 400-year interval between mm-hmm. the prophet Malachi and the coming of John the Baptist, a long interval when uh, God's people didn't have any kind of revelation of that nature. And so for Mary to to believe this message, which was itself an unbelievable message, must have been very difficult. Yeah, and, and for others, too, uh, Mary was... I use the term engaged to Joseph, but back then that even was a little different. It was really kind of like being married but not having the relationship. Is that, and, yeah, and I'm not sure about that, so I'm going to well, ask it, you that. And betrothal or engagement really uh, was a almost like a contract between two families. And sometimes the the two in the wedding uh, or the two um, who were engaged were were not that that much involved in the the whole process. Oftentimes, it was their families oh, that made the sure. engagement. But an engagement was a formal commitment to marry. And um, what would happen next after that commitment had been made and sort of sealed? Um, the uh, bridegroom would have to go and prepare a place for the bride. And when his, you know, when he had the place ready, then he would come to get his bride. And, of course, during that time, he didn't have any relationship with his bride-to-be. Um, so the coming of the bridegroom was often um, a kind of a surprise. You know, it wasn't 
announced uh, greatly in advance. The engagement would have been announced. It would have been known to everyone mm-hmm. that Mary was engaged to Joseph. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, the bridegroom would come maybe secretly sometimes at night, as uh, Jesus told a parable about the ten virgins. Oh, yeah. And there the bridegroom came at midnight and uh, kind of woke everybody up. But that was part of the surprise of that elaborate uh, ritual of uh, marriage. And it, it relates also, you know, to our Lord's promise, you know, that when he says, uh, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and if I, when I, if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back mm-hmm. and take you to be with me. Mm-hmm. Because he is the bridegroom, and his bride is the church. Mm-hmm. And so those metaphorical themes kind of um, are woven throughout Jesus' teaching about the end time, too. Yes. But in this case, um, Joseph would have been preparing a place uh, a home for, for Mary, but he hadn't yet um, taken her into his own house. And, and so, and, and you always wonder with uh, this particular story, Mary heard this message of the angel, but I always wonder, who did she tell? Mm. And I, I think it was so, so difficult to believe that what Mary did, since the angel had actually told her about her cousin, um, Elizabeth, Elizabeth mm-hmm. She went. She left immediately. She went to Elizabeth to uh, to spend some time there. Mm-hmm. Here was someone that she could relate to, someone who was uh, deeply uh, spiritual in her faith, someone who could understand her, who could believe her, someone who had also experienced a miraculous pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And uh, she spent three months there with Elizabeth. And during that time, of course, you know they must have talked endlessly about the wonder of, you know, the message that they had received and the promise. And, uh, and um, Mary might have even uh, stayed until the birth of John. I suspect that's likely. And then when she returned, it might have already been evident to people in mm-hmm. the village that she was of pregnant. Nazareth that she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's when Matthew tells us a little bit something about, uh, you know, this this aspect of the story from the perspective of Joseph. Joseph. Uh, He is troubled by this, you know, occurrence. Uh, It seems obvious to him that Mary has been unfaithful, and uh, he could have turned her over to the the courts. The the Jewish law even allowed for stoning for a violation of a marriage. Hmm. Uh, But Joseph is honorable. He doesn't want to expose Mary to uh, public disgrace. So he's going to, he decides in his mind that he's going to do this quietly. Mm-hmm. And that's when the angel comes to him mm-hmm. to uh, assure him that, uh, that he, could, he should and take Mary as his wife because the, the child is a miraculous child, a gift of God. Yeah, and here it, I wrote it down. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And then it says, Joseph woke and did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. I always think it tells us a lot about the type of man that God the Father chose for his son's father, his yes, adopted father, Joseph. He he was very faithful to God, 
and uh, and just woke up, believed, and didn't put Mary, um, um, didn't right. divorce know, like, Mary. Yeah, you can almost imagine Mary trying to explain mm-hmm. this. Yeah, to Joseph. Sure. And, yeah, um, sure. He would be saying, "Of course, yes." Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. um, that this doesn't sound like Mm-mm. it could happen. You know, mm-hmm. and so maybe the only way that um, you know Joseph could understand this incredible good news would be if he were visited by an angel in a dream. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And curiously enough, the, all the mentions of uh, uh, the angel speaking to Joseph, they're all in a dream. In a dream. I noticed that even with when he was uh, asked later on, we probably won't have time for that, the flight to Egypt uh, exactly. to, to, to keep Mary and Joseph, uh, Mary and Jesus safe. It was an angel in his dream again. But again, he rose took them and fled to Egypt. Yeah, he obeyed immediately. He obeyed, yeah. And the same thing later when, when the angel, an angel appeared to him in a dream and told him that, the, uh, that Herod was dead. Mm-hmm. So um, there are a number of occurrences where the angel speaks to Joseph, but it's always in a dream, yeah. never in a direct kind of way. Yeah. Well, let's but, move. Let's move on. Uh, do you have any other comments about about this? No, that's we're okay. Let's okay. go on. Yeah, let's go on because our our time's going to fly today. Family Shield is giving away the booklet "Live the Six: Being an Everyday Missionary." To request a complimentary copy, call the Family Shield Response Center one eight seven seven two five zero eight four one six or email us at witness. To family at gmail.com. Please make sure you give us your complete name and address when you call or write. The Family Shield radio program airs on more than 50 radio stations each week throughout the United States and is also available through our podcast. We are a listener-supported ministry. We invite your prayers and support. If you'd like to support us, send a gift to Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. You can also donate on our website at www.familyshieldministries.com. If you're a Thrivent Financial member, you can designate your Thrivent Choice dollars to support Family Shield Ministries. Go to www.thrivent.com slash Choice. Or call Thrivent at 1-800-847-4836, and one of their employees will help you. Remember, you choose, but Thrivent gives the gift. So what happens next? Uh, Joseph has uh, believed, and then they um, are are called to... um, to, to go to where Mary will have that baby. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, you can almost understand that um, there would have been a lot of gossip going around in the mm-hmm. village. And um, the only way really to quell that was for Joseph to actually take Mary into his home. And mm-hmm. when he does that, uh, immediately, you know, the, the rumor, rumor mill has to kind of stop because Joseph has accepted her, oh. welcomed her into his home. Sure. And uh, no doubt there were still a few people that were talking about it, but uh, that sort of, you know, would bring that to an end. And so at that point, you know, Mary is about three months along, uh, about, and uh, it's still some months. And so Joseph and Mary are are living as husband and wife. Um, And then uh, 
the news comes, you know, that Caesar Augustus has decreed a, a census, a tax, and everybody has to, to leave uh, to go to their, um, the uh, place of their ancestry. And in Joseph's case, uh, that's Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. And so they start that uh, rather long, difficult journey uh, at the very time that Mary is close to delivery. And here's a, here again you see how marvelously God works this out. Um, the ancient prophecy in Micah was that, uh, that out of Bethlehem, this uh, sort of nondescript village that wasn't even worthy to be reckoned among the clans of Judah, out of this uh, little village would come one who would be ruler over Israel. And uh, so God had intended all along for uh, this child to be born in the city of David which was Bethlehem. And, um, and, and, and God can, you know, sort of orchestrate the affairs of history however he wants, and he does this, you know, in a marvelous way, because the, the decree of Caesar Augustus is not just a coincidence, mm-hmm. but it's a part of God's plan mm-hmm. that brings Mary and Joseph uh, to, to Bethlehem so that Jesus is born there. Born in a lowly manner. Now, God could have opened the door for them to get into an inn if he had wanted to. Obviously, God can do anything. Is there any uh, significance to our Savior being born in, in a place where there was no room for them in the inn? Well, I think that, um, you know, when God the Father asked his Son to make this terrible sacrifice to divest himself of his power and his authority and his majesty and his glory to become a human being um it was it was to go all the way you know he he humbled himself to become a servant and so while we might think it would have been more appropriate for someone like jesus to be born in a in the palace of a king or at least in a royal city like jerusalem uh, that's where the wise men went looking for the king. Mm-hmm. Um, God's plan was that Jesus would be born in this very insignificant way. And the Christmas story includes the announcement to the shepherds, right. and they were among the uh, lowest people on the social totem pole in their day, uh, people who lived with animals and who were therefore unclean, who probably couldn't have entered the temple precincts because of their uncleanness, uh, and yet they were the first ones to hear the good news about the birth of Jesus, and they heard it again from angels. Yeah, they did. Again, angels announced this to them, and again, they were afraid. Um, yeah, they were terrified. They were yeah. terrified. And and so, the, again, this theme of uh, these angels, when you see them, <laughs> it's scary, but then they always said, do not fear. And, That's right. and and they calmed their fears, and then they were joyous. Um, so um, we're we're gonna uh, we have just a little bit more time, but let's talk a little bit more uh, about uh, after the shepherds. Now the shepherds went then to see Jesus, and as you were saying, they were the lowliest of the low, and they took care of animals. We always think of. Where Jesus, Mary, and Joseph were had animals too, and uh, I, um, I had never made that connection that 
that the angels announced to them, and then they found, and do we know how they found the baby Jesus? Because they didn't have a star leading them. No, I I don't know. Um, And, you know, they did did hear the angels say to them, you'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. That's right. And so um, they, they... and I don't think Bethlehem would have been a very small village at oh, that time. Oh, sure. So maybe they knew where the. They didn't have were. a whole lot of you know places to search. Yeah. And um, it's a little bit difficult to know just exactly what's being referred to by a stable. Uh-huh. Um, the Greek word there is uh, a word that could mean just you know in just like in Europe today where um, people who live in in small villages or in rural areas you know the place where the cattle sleep is often connected to the house. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it could be that the uh, innkeeper, you know, didn't have any room in his house, so he gave them, um, you know, he let them, allowed them to stay in the, the, the sort of shed that was attached to the house where mm-hmm. the cattle would have been. Mm-hmm. A stable, you yeah. might say. Yeah. Although tradition uh, is pretty strong that um, Jesus was born in some kind of a, a cave. So that if you go to Bethlehem today, of course, they'll show you, you know, the very place where, where Jesus was born, and it's kind of in a, in a rock-hewn uh, cave. So we don't really know, and it doesn't make that much difference. No, it doesn't. But um, the point is that the shepherds were able to find him, yep. and uh, when they saw this baby lying in a manger, which is where cattle feed, um, and so it's likely that there were cattle and maybe sheep or other donkeys or other animals in this area, uh, they they worshipped him because they saw that mm-hmm. that was the fulfillment of the angel's message. Mm-hmm. Well, we have just a few minutes left as we conclude our Christmas special that talks about the birth of Christ and the angels, three minutes. Um, so just a few closing thoughts, Pastor Raul. Well, there's something that uh, I think that touches the hearts of all of us in this story, um, Maybe it's the simplicity of the story. Um, you know, although we sometimes sort of, you know, dramatize the story as if it were what a quaint and cute little thing that Jesus is born in a stable. Um, you know, it wasn't really cute at all. A stable is uh, not the place for a baby to be born. It would have been smelly. It would have been dirty. It would have been dark. It might have been cold. And... Um, yeah, this is the this is the kind of welcome that Jesus had, but you might say, in a sense, it prepared him for the kind of welcome. You know, mm-hmm. John says in his gospel, he came to his own, and his own didn't receive him. He came into the world uh, to rescue and bring salvation to the people uh, who had rebelled against God, and even in that um, mission, he was often uh, rejected and turned away. And so it's, um, it's a story of uh, the wonder of God's love, that he would come to us in such a way, and uh, the, the nature of his great compassion and mercy that he would stoop uh, to this level of a servant in order to redeem us and to bring salvation into our world. And that's what he did, and that is the Christmas story. We could have talked longer, but my guest have been, has been Reverend Ron Rawl of Timothy Lutheran Church in St. Louis, Missouri. 
been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, PO Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield. Thank you.